0: Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of Tell Us a Good Story. Today, we have the privilege of talking with Roland Hansen, who was an executive at Microsoft back in the early 80s. He is best known for convincing Bill Gates they needed to name their product Windows.
1: This man is absolutely brilliant. And I loved his story about what it was like to get recruited by Bill Gates and Steve Ballmer to work with them at Microsoft.
0: Also, I've worked for some tough bosses in my career, stuff, But can you imagine having Bill Gates as your boss and getting called down in his office like Roland has? You better know your stuff when you ask you a question.
1: But I was more impressed, Kevin, with Roland talking about his childhood and what it took for him to get to that executive level. It's very inspiring. Can't wait for you to hear this conversation with Roland Hansen. I'm Kevin. And I'm Stephanie. And
0: during our marriage, we have dealt with an electrocution, a brain tumor, brain surgery.
1: Then doctors telling us that children were not in our future
0: Steph, this next guest is absolutely fascinating. Okay,
1: can I tell you how nervous I am right now?
0: You are? He's
1: such a big deal. (laughs) He's such a big deal and I'm so nervous. He
0: is, but I cannot wait to hear some of these stories.
1: They're going to be amazing.
0: Friends, our next guest is the founder and CEO of the HMC company. He is highly, highly educated with an MBA degree from the very prestigious Wharton School of Business, which is an Ivy League school. But here's what is fascinating. This man is a former executive at Microsoft who is best known for being the person who convinced Bill Gates to name their operating system Windows. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to Tell Us a Good Story, Mr. Roland Hansen.
2: Welcome! <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. Well, I look at all the interviews you guys have done and... <laughs> Not the least interesting.
1: No, no. Roland, you're such a big deal. <laughs> yeah, like, you Like the are. fact that you said yes to us, yeah. we are like freaking out right now.
2: <laughs> you know? And by the way, Bob Bodine, yes. who you guys are fans of, I'm a huge fan. Do you know how I met Bob? No. He
0: said, was it like his very first job? Is that right?
2: Well, most of his first day, uh, He was first in the sales force. It was Carnation Company, but it became Nestle. And Bob, I, he, came, he wanted to get out of the sales force and get into marketing.
0: Okay.
2: he went around and he interviewed with a bunch of people and nobody would hire him <laughs> uh, And uh, in, the, in the, at headquarters because they wanted MBAs, you know, the Oh, uh, yes. And he came in and, and, and this is all seriousness. Bob and I in the middle of the conversation. I really liked him. Then all of a sudden it came up that he was a quarterback at uh, SMU. He was a quarterback. Well, we play football against the sales force and we needed a quarterback. <laughs> so that, that put Bob right to the top of the list. <laughs> and so that's, a, that's what I ended up doing. I ended up hiring Bob and Bob worked for me for a couple of years at least, but great guy. I mean, he, he, he was outstanding. I mean, I, I, I picked somebody who was just a diamond in the rough and just, you know, genuinely just one of my favorite people in the world. Put it that way.
0: Totally get that.
1: Absolutely. Well,
0: thank you for saying yes to us. And first off, I want to give our listeners a brief history lesson to kind of set the stage before we start rapid fire questions on you. So, Steph, just refresh your memory. Okay. Microsoft was founded by Bill Gates and Paul Allen on April 4th, 1975. Then in 1981... Microsoft began developing a product that would later become known as Windows. Originally called Interface Manager, it would add a graphical overlay to (laughs) MS-DOS.
1: I have no clue what you just said. (laughs) Okay. I have no clue. So,
0: with Windows, what it did, Steph, it created the drop-down menus, the scroll bar... It allowed you to use a mouse. Okay. And it created all the boxes and windows that popped up so you could kind of simultaneously work across applications.
1: Why couldn't they just say that? (laughs) That would make so much more sense. I was getting to that. Okay.
0: Then in 1982, Microsoft hired their very first marketing VP, a man named Roland Hansen, who was (gasps) a veteran in the cosmetics industry. So let's start right there, Roland. At this point, you're 31 years old,
1: Oh, my gosh.
0: You're an Ivy League grad. You had already climbed up the ladder as VP of Worldwide Marketing at Neutrogena. And a recruiting firm called Roland and asked him about a company named Microsoft.
1: Okay. At that point, what was going in your mind? When he gets the phone call? When he gets the phone call from Microsoft. Were you like, who is Microsoft?
2: Well, it it was much worse than that. It was like, (laughs) (laughs) Microsoft, you know, I don't... I don't even own a personal computer.
1: You and, didn't, you didn't and, own a and, computer.
2: You know, and by the way, you know, I said, Bellevue, Washington, that might as well be outer Siberia. I'm living on the beach in Southern California. I'm a surfer. And you think I'm going to go to Bellevue, Washington? <laughs> it's know? raining yeah.
0: every day. Oh, my right.
2: God. You know. Yeah. Um, and so I said, look, guys, you you really got the wrong guy. I mean, you called the wrong guy. And Lloyd, Lloyd Coats, and by the way, just go back a little bit. When I joined Neutrogena from Carnation, which eventually became Nestle, Lloyd Coatsen had inherited the company from his father-in-law, and he was an archaeologist by trade. Oh wow! But he turned out to be a strategic genius in terms of branding and how to brand products. And he and I literally not only introduced a, a lot of new products by Neutrogena over the years, but we traveled all over the world and we licensed the rights all over the world and it became a global brand pretty quickly but people don't understand about bill bill gates right uh yeah, bill is a is a student of business i mean he reads constantly and i always say you know people are playing chess i think i see, you saw that in that video i did he's playing three dimensional chess right. <laughs> you know i mean everybody else is just playing chess no he's he's got His move already figured out, you know, two moves down. And so Bill really understood that the software business at the time, when it was a really new exploding business, is the value of of how to build a brand and why anybody would care to build a brand. And he had been studying. And so he looked at the rise of Neutrogena because Neutrogena came out of the blue and Bill had done his homework on it. And that's when he said, Hey, this is the guy we need. And and so go get him. And you got to understand that I saw that Bill did that many times when he would look ahead in terms of what Microsoft needed in terms of leadership in a given area, he would just go find the best guy, whoever he thought the best guy was, that's who we're going to get. And then he was dogmatic at, at getting them. And so When I told them I wasn't interested, that recruitment process went on for weeks. And I remember, finally, I I told them, okay, i tell you what, I am not going to miss a day of work to come to Microsoft. I'll fly up on a Sunday morning, and I'm flying back on Sunday night. And, you know, I'll come up. I've never seen Bellevue, Washington. So they said, great. And I remember arriving at Seattle Airport, SeaTac, and (laughs) uh, Steve Ballmer, Picks me up in his red Thunderbird. Uh, and, and Steve and I, I hit it off. I mean, St- by the way, Steve's also one of my favorite people in the world. I love Steve Ballmer. You know, so we go back and i remember sitting with Bill in this conference room and him going and ex- for hours explaining to me the software business and getting down and then sitting down and looking at me and saying, so what do you think? And I, go, <laughs> I go, well, Bill. I think you're going to take over the world, but I still don't understand why I'm here. And he, oh, yeah. He goes, well, let me ask you a question. He says, what's the difference between a hundred dollar per ounce moisturizer and a dollar per ounce moisturizer? And I go, technically? And he goes, yeah. And I go, technically nothing. He says, that's why we need you, because if you can create the perception and I create the reality. Nobody can ever beat us. Uh. And I walked out of that meeting blown away that this guy really understood the value of building a brand.
0: So when you were in that initial meeting with Bill, were you blown away? Like, oh my gosh, this guy, he's a genius. Or was it he's socially awkward, but he knows his stuff? Like, what was your first impression? Of
2: no, him? no, 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 no. But over the weeks... Uh, I remember finally him convincing me to come up and to take the job. And actually, my title was Vice President of Corporate Communications because marketing was product marketing, which means they defined the features in the software. Okay. And corporate communications was everything the world saw, the packaging, the advertising, the public relations, anything that the outside world saw came through me. And Bill had promised that he said, Look, I'll never get in the way I, you know, I don't understand what you do. I just need you to do it. And, you know, keep me informed. And So I was, look, I was blessed. I mean, you know, God has taken care of me multiple times and put me in positions of opportunity. And this was a dream opportunity, but it was a high risk. It was very, very very high risk. And as a matter of fact, I'll I'll never forget, a guy named Joe Weller, who was at the time president of Carnation, calls me when he heard that I was leaving Neutrogena because I had left them to go to Neutrogena. And at the time, he told me I was throwing away my career. Um, (laughs) And he called me and he said, he goes, Roland, how do you mind? He says, come on back. He says, you you know, we will all forgiven. You know, come on back. You can be in charge of Friskies. What is that? (laughs) It's a cat food. (laughs) We'll put you in charge of the Friskies division. You know, (laughs) I mean, you know, I said, well, Joe, you know, I think I want to take a chance. This thing called software seems to be taken off. You know, I think I want to give it a try. And he said, okay, because I'm done trying to save you.
0: So, Steph, we just moved into a new home. You know who's good at homes?
2: I do. Jay
1: Luby. And? Miss Connie Luby.
0: Yes. They build custom homes. They do remodeling. They do office construction. Steph, if you go to lubycompanies.com, they have a picture by picture here on the portfolio. And everyone is absolutely amazing. I
1: want every one of them. (laughs) I want that one or that one. Oh, maybe that one.
0: The only problem about lubycompanies.com, it's hard to spell.
1: Uh, There's no way... I could spell their last name unless you would have told me. I
0: guarantee they get asked every day, how do you spell that? So friends, it's l-u-e-b-b-e-companies.com. Go to that website. Phenomenal pictures of what they do. From new construction to like new renovations, the Luby Companies are here to partner with you. They are also a proud sponsor of...
1: Tell us a good story. Okay, I got a question for you. You don't even own a computer. But you no. decided to take on this position at Microsoft. Are you like, how am I going to market this software? You have all these IT guys talking to you and their IT lingo. I couldn't even understand Kevin <laughs> at the beginning of this conversation. So how did you handle that?
2: Well, I don't want to get too deep into this because it's complicated. But in every industry, every industry, there are what we call opinion leaders and key influencers that really influence the entire industry. And so I never worry about going after the buyer. What I want to do is go after the influencer. So if we can target the influencer and really get the influencer to believe in what you're doing, they will, as a third party, be far more effective in getting people convinced about what you're doing than than you can be.
1: Roland, you were ahead of your time. Like influencers are like the big thing right now. You are so ahead of your time. So
0: influencers back then, is that then computer magazines? What What is that?
2: Uh, well, very interesting. So in the, in, the, in the skincare cosmetics business, we were the first ones to go to dermatologists. I mean, now wow. derms are all bombarded with skincare ones. Well, we were the first ones to go to dermatologists, and I even remember the numbers. There was at the time there were 6,500 dermatologists, and what we realized was, well, we don't have to convince every dermatologist. There were really two dermatologists that really influenced everybody else. Uh, wow. uh, there were a guy named Al Kligman and a guy named Howard Maybach. So, if a dermatologist had two piles of paper on their desk, this one. They would read if there was a new, or Holocaust and they couldn't, you know, do anything else. And then there's this small pile. Well, the small pile, anytime any of those two dermatologists would write anything, they would always read that. So all we had to do was convince Dr. Kligman and Dr. Maybach, and then they influenced everybody else.
0: The whole industry.
2: And the other real interesting thing is the beauty editors, anytime a beauty editor would get a skincare product to evaluate, the first thing they do is call a dermatologist. And so once we owned the dermatologist, we started owning the beauty editors. And then Neutrogena started appearing in all these articles. It just took on its own momentum. And Neutrogena became a very, very strong brand. And I mean, it's stronger today because, you know, with J&J spending billions of dollars behind it, it's still today the, the lead skincare company. Right. But you ask a really interesting question about the software business. So <laughs> what, all I did with billows to Lloyd Coats. All I did was yeah. replicate what we did successfully at Neutrogena. I replicated it at Microsoft. So when I got involved in the early '80s, there were a lot of people that were just getting into software, and they were buying these really crappy personal. Compu- we we called them the trash '80s, TRS-80. It was a Radio Shack computer, or horrible computer. Um, yeah, but that's what people bought, and then they'd have to figure out what software to buy, and so. There were, like in the dermatology business, you guys won't recall this, but there are magazines called Byte Magazine and PC World. I remember that one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, the key was there were certain editors that the Joes believed, and there were other editors that the Joes believed were just BS. So the ones that they believed in, those are the guys we went after. And we made sure that those guys were writing articles about Microsoft. I get really excited about this. Nobody else cares about this but me. <laughs> uh, the, the, the opinion, the reason of building a brand through opinion leaders is so much stronger than advertising itself is because when an opinion leader goes out and backs you, backs your brand, you can make gigantic mistakes and they have a vested interest in helping you fix it because their reputation's at stake. It's not your reputation. They now have their reputation at stake. So they've got a vested interest in helping you fix it. So once you own those opinion leaders, it is very difficult to get them to switch because they have a vested interest in your success. And and through the 90s, I mean, Microsoft really benefited wildly from owning the opinion leaders.
0: So once you got to Microsoft, you're in charge of... A lot of things, including branding. Can you walk us through how you came up with the name Windows for this graphical interface?
2: Oh, yeah. So I got called over to Bill's office, and all the developers are there. And he said, I want to show you something. So it's on the screen. I mean, they're projecting it. I said, wow, that's interesting. I, so this is a, a new operating system. And he said, no, 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 no. It sits on top of the operating system. I said, okay, it's an application. No, no. Applications work on it. He says, it, it's called a GUI, a graphical user interface. And I go, okay. And what does it really do? Says, well, you get graphics on the screen. You know, you don't, you don't have the code. You know, I used to write in code to get there. He says, no, it gives you graphics, you know. And I said, well, that's interesting. I said, does anybody else have a GUI? He goes, oh yeah, we're way late. I mean, there are, you know, and he rattled off 10 different GUIs that are out there. And I said, okay, so what do you want me to do? He said, well, we're launching this at Comdex. And that was like four or five months away. And I said, well, let me go and I'll look into this. And so <laughs> I, uh, I'm getting ready to leave his office. And the first thing he says, oh, by the way, the developers already have a name. And I said, Okay, I thought that was my job, but you know, I don't <laughs> tell them how to write code, you know, and they shouldn't probably tell me how to name products, but okay. He says it's, it's called interface office manager. And I go, I'll tell you what, I'll take that under advisement. <laughs> and I go back and I get my entire team together into one of the conference rooms. And I said, guys. Everybody, we're dividing up the leading publications that influence everybody. You know, you get Byte, you get PC World, you get this one, you get that. I said, go back through all the issues over the last year. Because remember, we didn't have the internet, you know, at that time. So go back, get all the issues, turn through, find out whenever they've talked about a GUI. I want to know exactly what they're saying about GUIs. And everybody came in two weeks later and we had all the pages torn out and literally taped them around the room. We called it the war room. It was where all the whiteboards were. I said, guys, now let's start reading these articles together. And what's common, you know, there was a eureka moment. They weren't calling them GUIs. They were calling them windowing systems because they put windows on the screen. And I said, "Holy crap! If these are all windowing systems, there's only one name we can be. We have to be Windows, because the day we launch, we reposition everybody as part of us. And then Bill, Bill, telling me, but I told him, I said, Bill, I got the name. You know, here's why. He goes, you he looks at me. You got to go convince the developers that this is a better name. Oh no. Well, of course, the developers thought it was the stupidest name they ever <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, and didn't understand the logic, didn't care about the logic actually. And so this went on for months, trying to convince the developers, and I remember having a conversation with Bill about it. And I said, Bill, I, I can't do it. The name is going to be Interface Office Manager. I, if you're not going to support me in doing my job, then we got to move on because we have blanks right now in the instruction manual where, oh. where the name should be. We got to go to press because we're going to be late because we don't even have the manual. And next thing I know, he sends out a corporate wide email saying the name of the new GUI is Windows. And, and by the way, that's the only way it became the name. It couldn't be through me. It had to be through Bill. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: right.
2: Now, by the way, I should tell you another thing about Bill. Okay. So I told you about Bill always wanting the best person yes. to fill a role. So he would find the person. And then when that person joined, Bill knew they were the best, but they would come in. And when they would make a recommendation, Bill would just crap all over it, tell him. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Why would you want to do that? And he would just rip it apart. And so, you know, the person, now, if you backed down, you were screwed. I bet. If you held your ground. Yes. He said, well, I, I know I'm stupid. I know this is really stupid. But let me explain the logic behind this stupidity, you know, and, you know, here's what I'm doing and here's why. And Bill would, okay, let's do that. But 10 minutes before, he's telling you, you're the stupidest person in the world. But what he's looking for is conviction. He can't be with you at all times. So as long as you and he agree, and he knows that you and he are in agreement, and you have conviction, means you're not going to deviate from that. You're not gonna get talked out of it. And so he always looked to see who had conviction. Who could he count on? That's
0: good.
1: That is good.
0: Friends, we just want to take a moment here to say thank you to all you loyal listeners.
1: <laughs> Just found out that Tell Us a Good Story is now in the top one and a half percent of all podcasts worldwide, and that is because of you guys sharing with your family and friends on social media and giving us positive reviews on all the podcast platforms. And if
0: your friends ask, just tell them they can get our entire catalog of episodes at KevinandSteph.com or wherever they like to get their podcasts.
1: Thank you guys so much for listening to Tell Us a Good Story. Okay, you go to Vegas. You, is it Comdex? Is that well, what you said you were dead? Okay, yes. You have the name for Windows. Can you please tell the story about the whole marketing behind Windows once you get to Comdex? Yes, I love this.
2: Well, <laughs> I had a guy, by the way, he's passed away, who I loved, uh, a guy named Bob Lorsch. And Bob was a lunatic, <laughs> but he was a good lunatic because he thought out of the box. You know, okay. there was, nothing was off limits to Bob. You know, you had to control Bob. And I had used him before at Neutrogena. He was very successful for with me introducing some new products at Neutrogena. So when we had the assignment to launch Windows, I, I brought Bob in and literally we took over Comdex. I mean, we, the, and by the way, they had all kinds of rules. Well, we lived by the code of we'll ask for forgiveness. (laughs) Later, yeah. (laughs) We're we're not following any of these rules.
0: And Um, this is a huge IT convention in Vegas. That's every year, right? Gigantic.
2: Okay. So let me tell you some of the things we did. So, well, taxis are huge in Vegas, right? Yes. Every taxi had a windows thing on the back of the back seat. So we got every taxi in Vegas was promoting windows. So you got a taxi. You're looking at windows and you're you're seeing this thing. Okay. Then you'd go home to your hotel room and we had paid off all the housemaids, and they had pillowcases with windows <laughs> of it. When they'd open their beds at night, that you know you had windows literally on the pillowcases. <laughs> so you're in the taxi, you're in your your hotel room, there was windows. So First day of conduct, first day, which is the big day, you know, everybody comes. So we didn't say anything to anybody. When people showed up, there was a gigantic balloon out front of registration. <laughs> this this blimp with windows on it hanging above the convention center. And of course, they that was forboden. Right. Uh, you know, and they had they had made us take it down. And we, we, of course, had problems taking it down. So we, of course. You know, it took us at least a day to take it back, you know, because we had problems. And and then at the convention itself, they would give out stickers. And these stickers had numbers on them. And so they are the windows and then a number. Well, you had a matching number somewhere. And if you found your matching number and came back to the Microsoft, there's you know all these prizes. So everybody's walking around Comdex looking for their number oh. and seeing Windows on their chest, you know, and, and they're looking for their number, you know, because they wanted them to find the match. Well, we did research, people coming into Vegas at the airport. So we did a in and out. What is the awareness of Microsoft? How do you rate Microsoft? Do you have ever heard of Windows? You, well, we went from like Zero for Windows to gigantic awareness, but also very positive attitudes.
0: Roland, I read coming in, 10% of people had heard of Microsoft. Leaving the airport, 90% of people
2: were. Yeah, you got the numbers down. Yeah. I I mean, it was favorable. Yes. It was favorable awareness. I mean, because, I mean, we had basically educated the entire industry why is. Microsoft, the software of choice, and what is Windows?
1: Can I say how much fun your job would have been? Because I'm just thinking, okay, you guys, now let's do pillowcases. Go get the bellhop with micro- Go Microsoft. It. No, no, no. If we could engrave bars of soap, so when they shower, like how much fun would that Can
2: be? Can we get well, the
0: Goodyear blimp? Yes, with Windows on the side.
2: <laughs> and and I don't know if you heard about our party at night. No. Oh, my God, it was great. So the rule was, to even make me more hated by the developers, um, (laughs) which I didn't think possible, but it turned out to be possible, um, is we had a requirement that everybody had to wear a suit. I said, if we want to look like the IBM of the software business, that was our whole goal. Well, you had to look like the IBM of the software business. We had to look like we're professional. No jeans and sandals. And, no, you come to the party, you gotta dress for it. And oh, so we we had this huge gala thing and Glenn Campbell. Oh yes. Was, yeah, Glenn was on stage. I just want to introduce all of you to my good friend Bill Gates, you know. <laughs> Bill coming up on stage with with Glenn, Glenn Campbell, you know, it was hilarious. <laughs>
0: Well, Roland, for all of our guests, I like to give a list of fun facts, okay? So, if you don't mind, I'm going to brag on you here for a second. And Steph is not aware of any of these, okay? So, sh- you're going to see her real response. Okay, you ready for this? <laughs> all right. Roland lives in Santa Barbara. And this weekend, he and his wife will be celebrating their 50th wedding <gasps>
2: anniversary.
1: Oh, happy anniversary!
0: That is fantastic.
2: We were the biggest scandal at Palisades High School. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I had come back to high school after I went away to play football and I play up in Oregon and and I got injured and I came back. And then, of course, I met Mary at the beach and she was 16. And of course, one thing led to another. And um, Mary became pregnant and we decided not to give up the child and uh, 50 years ago got married <laughs>
1: Really? Yeah,
2: by the way, the, my coaches wanted to kill me. I was captain of the football team and in Palisades High School. That's a big deal. It's like Friday Night Lights. Okay. You know, I was always wanted to play football. Football was my life. And, you know, thank God I got into Wharton, which, by the way, is the hardest thing I've ever done.
0: Was it really? Why? Because there was no ocean there.
2: Well, yeah. No ocean? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it is tough. I mean, it, I'm going to tell you this is the God's honest truth, okay? Now, this is not a debate. Okay. I'm confident I was the lowest IQ person at Wharton. Oh, gosh. When I got on the director's list of distinction because I think I had one of the higher EQs. So in terms of working with people, knowing yeah. how to work mm. with people and to communicate effectively, but definitely the lowest IQ. I, I'm confident I was at the bottom of the, of the market. <laughs>
1: What made you want to go to Wharton?
2: This is, you're going to love this. So when I'm getting married, uh-huh. I'm 19 years old, and I've got my 16-year-old pregnant wife. And my father-in-law, he was great. He he said, well, look, at let's if you're going to get married, we'll do the whole thing. You know, no reason to hide this, which is incredible. And so we, we did it. It's called the Marina del Rey City Club, which is a beautiful private club in Marina del Rey. My brother, who actually raised me, um, I came from a dad who was an airline pilot, so he was always gone. And my my mom was very alcoholic, so she was never around. But my brother raised me, my older brother. He just basically raised me. He's like 10 years older than me. Well, he had been off in Southeast Asia for many, many years. He was a, a ranger. Oh, wow. And, yeah, and he, w- and he took one R&R it's your rest and relaxation you get time off okay and you never never taken but it, when i was getting married he took rnr to come and or my wedding and he grabs me come on come on we're going upstairs we're going to talk have some drinks so yeah, i never forget him pouring us wild turkey whiskey shots <laughs> and saying okay so what do you want to do what are you going to do with your life i said well ron i'm i'm going to be you know football coach i think that's what i want to do is i'm going to he says, you're not going to be a football coach, you idiot. He says, you you get into Wharton Business School. You get your MBA at Wharton and do something in business, you know. Uh, I, said, I I will never forget that. That's literally how I got turned on to Wharton. Then I started doing the research on it. And I was at Loyola Marymount University, a Jesuit school. And so I was just really fortunate to get in. Um, oh, man. So I was just blessed.
0: A lot of people that get in there, it's generation, right? Oh, yeah. you, a lot of it is your dad went there, your brother went there, oh, yeah. whatever. So that's even more challenging to get in there for you with, with not having that connection. I
2: can tell you, I was a, I was very unique there because I was a surfer. And, <laughs> you know, and my classmates weren't surfers. They all came out of the Ivy League. They were definitely blue blood. Oh, I bet. You know, so I was a very, very unique.
0: But God bless you, sir, for just digging in.
2: Yeah.
0: Right? You got married, you didn't have the abortion. You're like, hey, we're gonna make this right. Mm -hmm. I'm going to put my nose to the grind and do whatever I can to provide for my family. Because a lot of young men would not have done that, Mm
2: -hmm. Roland. It was it was it was not easy. Yeah. When we first got married, I went to school at Loyola Marymount during the day, and I was a janitor at night at an elementary school. <laughs>
0: I believe
1: wow. it. Wow. So
2: that's, you know, that's how we, I supported the family.
0: And then this weekend, 50 years.
1: Yeah, 50, 50 years. But here's the thing, Roland. Like, you're a janitor at elementary school, and then what? 15 years later, you're naming Windows software (laughs) at Microsoft. Like you talk about rags to riches, like American dream.
2: But again, by the grace of God.
0: So, Roland here started surfing, stuff when he was six years old. He could surf before he learned how to even ride a bike. (laughs)
2: That's true. So,
0: when was the last time you went surfing?
2: You know, not too long ago. I mean, you know...
0: Okay, you still do it.
2: Well, I do, but I got to tell you, we, we had a home in Maui, Hawaii for 25 years, and it was right on my favorite surf spot. Okay. And I love warm water. I hate wearing a wetsuit. And... Santa Barbara water is really cold. So I, I do it less now because I just, I don't like wearing a wetsuit. And by the way, I used to even travel to Mexico to go surfing. There, there's great surf spots in Mexico.
0: Oh, wow.
1: Okay. I want to know any close calls with sharks.
2: <laughs> okay. I, I'll tell you this. Do okay. you? I've got many surfing stories.
1: Do you? Okay. Uh, go for so it. The,
2: the, the, the closest I came to a shark. Is a place called Honolulu Bay, which is a great surf spot, and I'm always trying to get the last wave. And it's getting dark, but I can even see the lights coming on on the hill of various houses. And and there's no what they call sets coming of waves. It, it just it stopped, and I'm so I'm out there by myself. Everybody else has gone in, and I'm sitting there going, oh God, I gotta get a wave. I can't just paddle in, and Pretty soon a wave comes, so I, oh, holy crap! And I got to get this wave. I swing my board around, and when I swing it around and start to paddle, I go, and I'm going. I hit a rock, you know. I hit a, and then I stop for a and I go, wait a minute. There's no rocks out here. Oh no. Well, what it was was when I spun around, that shark hit the bottom of my board with his nose. With his, I mean? That's what they do. They go and and hit it. And I did exactly what you're not supposed to do. I panicked. You you should just sit still, get your legs and arms on your board and sit very still. I paddled so fast for, if it was a cartoon, you'd see the guy flying above the water paddling so fast. And I literally hit the beach and ran up the trail like the shark was chasing me. You know, I I mean, that was the scariest you know, yeah. So no, I, and by the way, tiger sharks are you know not your friend. Oh, that's what you get in Hawaii and Maui in particular. Oh
0: man, steph, I've done the same thing.
1: Oh, I freaked out. Oh, I would. There's been, no way I'm just I sitting on my board. I've been just to the house. Think, no, there's no way.
2: No, no i, I, it's just, yeah, I mean, no, scared to death of sharks. So here's another fun
0: fact. This is one from his days at Microsoft, and this is a quote from a book. Okay. Roland Hansen began building Microsoft as a brand, and the brand needed a single, widely recognized spokesman. One of Hansen's main jobs would be to turn Bill Gates into an industry figure and then a national figure if Microsoft was to become the company its founder imagined it to be. So the next year, People Magazine named Bill Gates one of 25 most intriguing people. Then Gates appeared on NBC's Today Show in 1984, and Time put Gates on the cover in April '84.
1: Roland, you're very good at your job. <laughs> that's
2: incredible. Let me bring up a couple of things. Please. You're only as good as the people you work with. And you always want to hire better people than you, you know, and smarter people than you. And at Microsoft, that's what I did. I had really great team and great agencies. Um, there's a woman named Melissa Wagner, uh, who eventually formed her own PR firm. And a, a woman that has passed away named Pam Edstrom. And Pam was my PR person. And having those two people made me look really good. So I'm a huge believer in surrounding yourself with great people.
0: Well, Roland, I'm the same way. I have this wonderful lady beside me because she makes me look good.
1: Thanks, Kev. Appreciate
0: that. So next fun fact. Post-Microsoft, Roland built a consulting business and has been involved in a wide range of activities. So he's been a branding consultant to companies such as IBM and Nautilus, which created Bowflex. He's worked closely with DreamWorks on developing and launching award-winning products that leverage their movie brands, Shrek and Madagascar.
1: Okay, so what did you do for those movies?
2: Well, what we did was we licensed the rights to their characters and their images. Uh-huh. And we had, at the time, when DVDs were big, we created a whole series of games. I, our threat game was rated Game of the Year. I mean, it was did really, really well. Hmm.
0: So, Roland is still heavily involved with Microsoft as a board member and trustee of the Microsoft Alumni Network and Foundation. The foundation provides grants to ex Microsoft employees that form nonprofits, mm. which today has benefited billions of people all over the world.
1: That's amazing.
0: And then post Microsoft, Roland turned into a serial entrepreneur. He most recently launched a company called Preveda, which focuses on plant based therapeutic options versus pharmaceuticals. So, can you tell us about Preveda? We're very fascinated by this.
1: Love this idea.
2: Preveda is all about. Plant-based therapeutics. Are you familiar with Ayurvedic medicine?
1: I'm not. Ayurvedic
2: is out of India. Okay. And it's all about plant extracts. Okay. And you know, CBD is a plant extract. And we're creating a whole line of therapeutic products based upon plant extracts with an R&D company headquartered in India, in Delhi, and incredibly effective. I mean, not kind of effective. We Our first line is a pain relief line. And we got a plethora of real user testimonials, not only professional athletes, but just all range of people, including, I don't know if you guys have ever played pickleball. Have you guys ever played pickleball?
0: Well, I'm very familiar with it. Yes. I haven't played, but yes, I know what you're talking about.
2: It is the fastest growing participation sport. It tends to skew older. Yes. Uh, Yes. It tends to skew over 40 and really over 50, but you get a lot of aches and pains. And the infomercial company went to a pickleball tournament and we had Proveda. And you're not going to believe these testimonials. I mean, you can't, we couldn't script these. If I had to write a script, I couldn't say what these people were saying.
0: Really? That's awesome.
2: Yeah. And again, I don't want to bore you with the details here, but most CBD companies, just understand, do not do safety and efficacy testing. They really don't know if their products work. They really don't know if they're safe. It's like the gold rush in California.
0: Yes. <laughs> so it seems like
2: well, when you know gold was discovered in California in the 1800s, hundreds of thousands of people converged on California, thinking they're going to get rich. Well, the problem was none of them knew how to pan for gold. <laughs> um, you know, and this is what's happened in the CBD world. You know, the buyer beware because. Most of these companies don't really know if they're work and they really don't know if they're safe. And so when I talked to Dr. I said, well, Dr. Jackie, can we make products where we can actually prove they work and then we prove they're safe? We got to have real science behind what we do. Let's make sure they're safe and then let's go out and educate. And that's what we did. We formed this company based on the science. You you guys probably know what the problem with opioids and. Oh my
1: gosh. yes. Yes.
2: No THC, 0% THC, It's just called broad-spectrum CBD, and then these essential oils. And we're coming out with a high-profile infomercial. Boomer Esiason is our host. And so our goal by the end of 2022 is to go from zero awareness to becoming known as the respected and trusted leader in plant-based solutions that include CBD and I think we'll get there.
0: Well, listeners, for more information about Roland, you can go to his company's website at thehmccompany.com. And if anyone is interested in more information about Proveda, they should email Roland directly at roland@proveda.com. That's R-O-W-L-A-N-D at P-R-O-V-E-D-A.com. And we will put all the links on our website in the show notes of this podcast so you can click on it and get more information about Roland. Well, Roland, you are fantastic.
1: Brilliant. You have such a brilliant mind. I, and you're just like, oh, I don't even think I'm that interesting. And this whole time, my <laughs> mouth has been open. Like, you did what? Yes. What? So Absolutely amazing. You were amazing. Thank you. Thank you,
0: sir, for your time. I enjoyed it.